Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and redeemer. Amen. What are you most afraid of? You know, I said at the beginning of the service, a lot of people are afraid of public speaking, afraid they might lose their train of thought or say something silly or just become so nervous they can't say anything at all. Maybe you're afraid to speak up when you've got something important to share. Maybe you're afraid to pray out loud in front of other people because it might be embarrassing. So as much as I've gotten up here and learn to preach and be in front of people, there's one thing I've never done. I always have my sermon with me. I always have my notes. I used to write it out word for word. But if I'm going to encourage you to do things that you've never done before, to get out behind the locked doors that keep you shut in, I would say I need to lead by example. So what I'm going to do today I'm going to crumple up my manuscript and do the sermon without it. Is anyone else scared? (laughs) It was the evening of the first day of the week. The doors were locked where the disciples were staying. They were afraid. There are a lot of different things that can make us afraid. Talking with people, as they begin to open up and trust me, they'll tell me the things they're afraid of. And you can see how fear leads to your behavior. Just take locking your house, for instance. You lock your house when you're not home. You lock your house in the evening. Why? You're afraid of someone breaking in and stealing. There are probably things more precious to you even than what's in your house when you're not home. Because what would you be more afraid of? Someone breaking into your house in the middle of the day when you're not there? Or someone breaking into your house in the evening when you're home with your children? So think about what's most precious to you, most valuable. Is it a special heirloom? Is it an expensive watch? Is it a nice car? We know as Christians there's so much more beyond material goods. There's life. And what we probably fear most of all for those of us who are parents are something happening to our kids or someone we love. Maybe we're just afraid for ourselves. Health. The well-being of the disciples led them to lock their doors and stay in that house the night after Jesus had risen from the dead. Even though they had gotten the report that he had risen from Mary, they're still in that house behind locked doors because of the fear of the Jews. You see, the Jewish leaders could do to them what they did to Jesus especially now that they're hearing the rumors that he's not in the grave anymore. They're going to come looking for them. They want to find the body. So they've locked the doors. They've securely set themselves in their fortress. What could penetrate it? 
Jesus teaches us that locked doors mean nothing to him. We see that he comes and stands in their midst and appears to them. Locked doors don't mean anything to Jesus. And that doesn't mean just the locked doors of your house. Those are the locked doors of your heart. He knows his disciples very well. He knows they're afraid. He knows they're thinking about what could happen. What if? He knows they're scared for the future. All those things that we keep deep inside, locked up. Jesus knows it all and he appears to them and he says just a simple word. Peace. In the Old Testament, the word was shalom. Shalom meant more than just calm down. It meant more than just, I'm going to, you know, make your life settle down, give you calmer circumstances. Shalom meant peace of mind, peace of soul, and peace with God in eternity. It's the biggest peace we could ever have. It's it's far beyond just circumstances. Jesus appeared to them behind locked doors because he wanted to unlock their hearts. And he said peace to them, and he showed them his hands and his side. The pierced wrist that had the spikes driven through it, the side that was split open by the spear. And he shows them these wounds. Why? Why do the wounds go together with the word peace? When Jesus was on the cross, the last words he spoke to them from the cross, according to John, were, It is done. It is finished. The last words he speaks from the cross are, it is finished. And the first word he speaks to them after the resurrection is peace. Because those wounds in his wrist, that wound in his side, the symbols of him suffering, the symbols of his death have now become symbols of his life. So that he can say to his disciples, it is finished in his death and peace to you in his resurrection are the same words he wants to say to all of us. He wants to unlock our hearts. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. How glad are you to see the Lord? Sometimes our lives can get so caught up in the things we're afraid of, the things we're ashamed about, that we just want to stay away from the Lord. We try to keep him at a distance. So many people in the world want God to be at a distance. They're okay with a God who is up in the heavens watching over all things. They're okay with a God that comes and visits them on Sunday and gives them a piece of advice to make their week a little bit better. But what about the God who is in your heart? who knows your deepest thoughts, who is aware and not just aware, but is experiencing with you everything you're going through every day. The disciples are glad when they saw him. Now, we could be actually more afraid when we think about that. A God who knows my thoughts. What about the worst of my thoughts? What about my doubts? 
What about my lust? What about my sin that nobody else knows about, that I've locked away in the deepest recesses and I could never tell anyone? Because if I told them, they'd discover who I really am. But Jesus goes right through those locked doors and appears in the midst of them, and he says, peace to you. Do you know what those words mean to sinners like the disciples and like us? It means that the risen Lord Jesus has taken away your shame. He's taken away your guilt. And he's taken away your biggest problem. My friend Ray likes to say that no matter what problems you're having in your life, big or small, the biggest one is already taken care of. The biggest problem that the world has ever had is already taken care of because Jesus has risen from the dead. Sin and death are the biggest problem that the world has ever had. And Jesus has conquered it all. And so we can be glad when we see the Lord because he comes through the locked doors of our lives into the places where we wouldn't let anybody else go. And he unlocks our heart, sets us free, and gives us shalom. And so he says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The language that Jesus uses here is of locking and unlocking, binding and unbinding. What Jesus has done for his disciples, that is to set them free, to set their heart free from its locked prison of fear and sin, he is now sending them to do the same thing. The church becomes the place where his spirit dwells, and where his spirit dwells, Jesus is going to continue to do his resurrection ministry, his ministry of setting free those who are bound. The word forgive in verse 23 means to let go, to release, to set free. To be set free, Jesus says, from all that has bound you to this human, fallen, mortal life. He sets us free, but only through the Holy Spirit. We call this the ministry of the keys. And if you think back to your catechism days, if you had catechism class, your pastor probably covered something about the ministry of the keys or the office of the keys. The keys are referring to the preaching of the gospel that happens in the church and the personal message of God's absolution. So keys can unlock and keys can lock. And the keys are the Spirit's way of unlocking and setting free people like us every Sunday as the gospel is preached in the sermon, every prayer where we're meeting with somebody one-on-one -on -one and we want them to be comforted every time that we're able through the church or the elders to tell somebody that they are set free, 
the pastor encouraging you not to be afraid. It's all the ministry of the keys. Without the Holy Spirit, we could never know how to do this stuff because we know life is complicated. And so the Spirit alone can lead us. As Jesus breathed on them, he gave them himself, the Holy Spirit dwelling in our church, so that we can set people free. But we also see the need to keep people bound. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. I think men in particular have a way of keeping their fears inside. I've known men who can keep their fears so well hidden that it's like trying to chip away through stone. It's protected. It's like locking your door at night and there's only certain people can ever get in. And some of us only let ourselves in. The locked heart where we're keeping hidden away guilt, sins that we haven't confessed, where we know there's a slavery to something in our lives that has just held us in prison and we just feel like we can never be ourselves. That's what the Lord Jesus is trying to get to. He's trying to get past the devil's lies. He's trying to get past our hard heart. He's trying to get to the place where his kingdom can take over. And there are times when a person can resist this, where they are unwilling to talk about those fears, they're unwilling to open up about it, and they're unwilling to let Jesus in. And then we remain bound. And we can't comfort ourselves with this idea that it's going to be okay if we continue in that behavior, or we continue in that fear, or we continue in that prison, because it's only going to keep destroying ourselves. Jesus comes to set us free, to make us well, and he does it through his Holy Spirit. So where the Holy Spirit is in the church, when the church is acting in fellowship with one another, it's not just us, it's Jesus who's at work. And when he's binding people's sins, their sins are bound in Jesus' eyes. And when he's setting them free, their sins are set free in Jesus' eyes. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Ultimately, I think we learn through our experience. It was back in October where I had my own experience with fear I was coming back from a trip up north, and we just said goodbye to Samuel, went to visit him, came back here, and got hit with three or four things at once. I was talking with my doctor about this, and as I was talking with him, I started naming the things that happened that week. And as I listed them all, he said, well, it's no wonder you got shingles, and it's no wonder You've had anxiety since then. So for about two months then, I was dealing with some serious anxiety where I couldn't even go and be around people. Maybe some of you have experienced that before where you just, you can't talk to people or you can't open up and it's like, that's the only thing you can think about are your fears. 
But through it all, and through the suffering, Jesus has taught me that that's where we find him. He wants to get a message through to us. And sometimes he allows those circumstances to pile up until we can just stop avoiding him. And all that there's left is Jesus. All that's left this evening, as the disciples are behind locked doors, the church gathered in the presence of Jesus, all that's left is Jesus and his message of peace. Outside those doors, the world is raging on. The storms are coming and going. Health will improve. Health will get worse. Finances will come and go. A job we once held for a long time is no longer there. The coping mechanisms we use don't work anymore. All of that is going to keep on till the day that you enter heaven. But one thing that will never change is Jesus' presence. The risen Lord Jesus is with you. He's with you now. He's with you always, no matter what. These are five affirmations for you to remember. God wants you to know he loves you. You are his. Don't be afraid. I am with you, and I've got this. Amen.